Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the biggest stories, breaking news, insight and analysis at the biggest stories, at the biggest clubs and sometimes the not so big clubs in world football. Joining me as ever is transfer guru Duncan Castles. And as this is the Wednesday edition, when we hand the agenda to you, our beloved listeners, and it's your questions answered. But first, we know your thirst. Now the transfer window is open, is all for the news. And Duncan has big breaking news about Manchester United and Barcelona and the possible transfer of a player from the Camp Nou to Old Trafford. Yes, this is um, information I have that Manchester United are pushing hard um, to be allowed to sign Ivan Rakitic um, from Barcelona. Um, I believe that he is potentially for sale um, from Barcelona because the club needs to raise money in uh, the transfer market uh, to pay for some of the acquisitions they've made in recent seasons and also to pay for players who are coming in. So you have Frankie de Jong already signed uh, from Ajax. That deal agreed in January um, coming into force this summer um, for an initial €75 million and another €11 of performance-related bonuses. They are also um, expect to have Matthias de Ligt in their lineup for next season, um, I would I would expect the transfer fee to be in the same re- region for um, Delict as it was for De Jong. I know that Ajax believe they can get up to 100 million euros for Delict for the centre back, and have been encouraging um, a bidding war, uh, which Manchester United have tried to get involved in. But um, the information I have from uh, Amsterdam is that Delict's preference is to join his friend uh, De Jong at Barcelona and he will uh, insist on going to that club rather than moving to a Premier League team. Um, we'll wait to see if that ends up being the case, but that's the expectation at Ajax's end and also the expectation at Barcelona. If you put those two signings together, you're getting close to the 200 million mark just in two players alone. Therefore, um, there is an incentive to um, move on players who have, haven't succeeded at Barcelona, such as Philippe Coutinho, who we know is on the market, but also players who are perhaps coming to the end of their useful life at Barcelona. And Rakitic is kind of in that category. Um, still uh, a very strong performer for the team, a player that uh, Barcelona had the opportunity to sell last summer after when Rakitic sought to cash in on his... Um, uh, success with the Croatian national team reaching the, the final of the World Cup, had offers to move elsewhere, wanted to go there, but Barcelona refused to take those deals. But on this occasion, there seems to be a willingness. Um, I'm told that should a club offer 55 million euros for Rakitic, then Barcelona would be prepared to sell. Um, from Manchester United's perspective, it's an interesting move. 
Obviously, they need to strengthen in midfield. They've allowed Ander Herrera to leave um, for nothing uh, to Paris Saint-Germain. And um, that was a decision that was taken very much by Manchester United because they refused uh, to offer Herrera a contract that would have convinced them to remain at a club he was uh, very passionate about playing for. Um, they also are in danger of losing Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba has stated his interest in moving to Real Madrid. His agent, Mino Raiola, is working on that deal. Uh, Zinedine Zidane would like to bring him there. Question mark, obviously, is whether Manchester United will accede to that and sell uh, the most expensive signing in the club's history. Um, they certainly need at least one midfield reinforcement. What I'm told is they're looking for two. Um, obviously, in the with the calculation that they might need to bring two midfielders in, two experienced midfielders in. Rakitic, you can see the attraction, um, is a superb passer of the ball, a very fluid player in midfield, um, and also has that kind of Croatian edge of aggression to him. Um, and, and I think a game wisdom that uh, Manchester United could do with um, and has been lacking um, in, in their current squad. However, he is 31 years old, so the, the fact that Manchester United are discussing a transfer with Barcelona for a player um, who is past the age of 30 is uh, intriguing in itself, given that Ed Woodward has very much sought to um, concentrate transfer business on younger players, uh, players who will uh, have balance sheet value for years at the club. Um, and... When you're talking of a transfer fee, well, the asking price is 55 million. I believe Manchester United are prepared to go over 30 million euros um, for Rakitic. When you're talking about that kind of transfer fee for a player of that age, you have to be quite sure that he's the right fit because um, you, you're going to have to play that player every game. He's going to have to be a guaranteed starter. Um, and I think that's the question mark with Rakitic. Does he physically... Um, talking to people at Barcelona, physically, um, does he have the pace and does he have uh, the endurance to go a whole Premier League season um, at that age coming into what is ha has been a struggling team and probably will be a struggling team next season again. Now at this point, Duncan, um, thank you for, as always, the breaking news. And remember, you heard it here first, just like you did, Adarera. Um, leaving Manchester this summer, just like you did the stalemate between David De Gea and Manchester regarding his contract demands. So you know that our information is sound and that you get to hear it first here in the transfer window. Now, kudos also has to go to listener Ryan Harrison, that's at R underscore Harrison 17, who almost preemptively or psychically predicted um, <laughs> this conversation by asking the question, um, will Barcelona have to sell big players in order to sign the likes of Delict, Griezmann, etc. So uh, big shout out to Ryan. Uh, well done on that. We're going to um, transition very, very smoothly into um, another question. Um, well, actually two questions kind of which are of similar theme. Jeremy Balkan, who's asked, how legitimate is the rumours uh, of Delict to Manchester United or is it just another classic Raiola ruse or plan? We like to use that word ruse, as you all know. And also to another um, listener, Indy Bunan, at iBunan, who says, love your work, chaps. Clapping emoji, thank you very much. We are a week into the transfer window. If this is to be an unprecedented summer of change at Manchester United, every fan wants, every Manchester United fan wants, surely there should be some movement by now, especially with the likes of Koulibaly, Aaron Wimbasaka, 
These are no-brainer signings in many people's opinion. I certainly think, Duncan, that those would be no-brainer signings given Manchester United's problems in uh, in defending. Uh, do you think there's any chance of Wynne-Bissaka moving from Palace or indeed Koulibaly? Um, I'm going to I'm going to mess up with your smooth transition and just go back to Antoine Griezmann um, since our our, our psychic our psychic listener mentioned him. Um, the information I have from Barcelona on Griezmann is that he will not be moving there. Um, I'm told that. Uh, the board have reservations about the price um, having to pay the release clause that's inserted in his Atletico Madrid contract but more importantly the salary um, because Antoine Griezmann to avoid going to Barcelona last summer when Barcelona very much um, focused on signing him signed a new contract with Atletico and Atletico's thinking was um, we want to win the Champions League we keep our best forward here we um, gamble a lot on the team they spent in other areas and uh, and give ourselves the best chance to finally win the trophy. Obviously, that failed. Um, when I talk about them gambling on Griezmann, the salary they gave him was 20 million net. So um, the proposition that's being put to Barcelona is um, in the region of 100 million euros as a transfer fee and then match uh, Griezmann's current salary, which you know, roughly, if you're talking about a five-year contract with uh, taxes involved, roughly you're talking then about a 300 million euro deal. Now, the expense isn't the only issue here, I am told. Um, the dressing room does not want Anton Griezmann. They were not impressed by the way he behaved last summer. I believe um, some of the players were involved in trying to convince him to come. And then um, instead of uh, coming to the club, he uh, had a... Wimped out, I think is the phrase you're looking for here, Duncan. Wimped out. Wimped out. Your friend scared the <laughs> Scared well, well, not, not only wimped out, um, I think, the, I think the, the bigger issue was that he turned it into a television event, turned it into a, a self-promotional event. Um, I, I, I forget the exact details, but I believe he went on French um, TV in an event called The Decision, if I'm... That's if I'm correct, yeah, he did. Correctly. Um, so teased, um, teased his audience uh, in France, uh, in, in Barcelona, and worldwide because he, he is at that level of status as a footballer and uh, and did something that I've not seen before in terms of uh, announcing his decision on whether he would elect to go to um, the biggest, uh, the most successful club in Spain um, on French TV and, and deciding not to do so and, and getting paid handsomely, it must be noted, by Atletico Madrid um, as part of the process. So all of that has gone down badly with the players at Barcelona and and the briefing I have had is that that combined with the cost of the transfer fee has led Barcelona to step away from the move which of course uh, leaves Griezmann available on the market um, if indeed he goes through with another decision he's announced that he would leave Atletico this summer then he will have to find another club and you if you're going to ask questions about what, who that club might be, it would make sense to factor Manchester United into that equation, given that Manchester United, um, in uh, Jose Mourinho's first summer transfer window after he'd been in charge of the club for a season, so going into that second season, 
attempted to sign Griezmann uh, from Atletico. We're ready to pay the release clause at that point. Um, did a lot of work. Oh, uh, I think, Duncan, we can describe it as opened the gate, led up the garden path, knocked on the door. Well, doors open. There's Ed Woodward there with a massive check saying, please, please come to Manchester United. I think that's how far it went. Exactly. Um, so we know that Manchester United have tried to get this player before. Um, I think the question I would have over whether they go for him this summer, having been alerted to his availability, is um, do they have a place for him in the team? Um, and the reason I would place that question is they have a huge amount of faith in Marcus Rashford. Um, Billy Gunnar Solskjaer has made it clear that he wants Rashford to be the point striker, to be the first choice um, goal scorer for the team. And I think unless your plan would be to play Griezmann alongside Solskjaer, which is possible, uh, sorry, not alongside Solskjaer, you might as well have had Solskjaer up front given the way Rashford's been performing in, in recent weeks. But if did, unless did you, notice, trying- did you notice how smoothly he got over that, people? Did you notice? It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your plan is to play Griezmann alongside uh, Rashford and Solskjaer has used double striker formations unsuccessfully, it has to be said, uh, in his uh, tenure at Manchester United so far, then it seems difficult um, to, to fit him in there. Um, and obviously they have other areas uh, which they're concentrating on. That they're going into the window the target had been a right winger, ideally a left-footed right winger. Um, and as we've uh, brought to you in the transfer podcast, they've made an inquiry with uh, Leo for Nicola Pepe for that position. Um, they have a standing interest in Jaden Sancho, um, which it seems is a more difficult transfer to do now. Um, Daniel James, the 21-year-old Wales international at Swansea City, um, has been contacted by Manchester United, is um, very keen on that move, understandably, as uh, he was in January on the verge of joining Leeds United. So the, the possibility of moving to Manchester United instead is obviously very attractive to him. And um, according to uh, senior sources at Swansea City, they expect that deal to go through. Um, that as well is an interesting move on Manchester United's part because... Um, it represents going for a younger player, represents taking a player out of the championship, which is something they haven't done for quite a while. Um, and I think uh, talking to um, scouts in football and asking them whether they feel uh, Daniel James is an appropriate fit for a club that's trying to qualify for the Champions League, um, they say they, they, the player has qualities, um, could definitely play Premier League football, but they have question marks about whether um, he's good enough to play at that level. So that represents, I think, uh, a significant gamble on uh, Manchester United's part. Going back to your, your second question about people in other areas, um, yes, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is one of the players that they're talking about recruiting at right back, which is a priority area. They obviously need to sign in midfield, as we um, told you on Friday, they've been making inquiries and, and made a bid uh, for a goalkeeper uh, to replace David De Gea if they have to. So I think it's very clear that Manchester United are working in this transfer market. They are making inquiries. They're putting offers in for certain players. Um, 
what's not so clear is the coherency of the strategy um, and which of the players they're going to be able to get. And call it the listener asks about Matthias de Ligt. Um, yes, they would love de Ligt in a centre-back. He obviously ticks a lot of boxes in the sense of age. Um, relatively cheap for salary because you're getting him from Ajax. Not absolutely cheap because Mino Raiola is his agent, but um, you're, you're not talking about buying a player who's already on huge wages such as Griezmann. Um, however, Delic's preference um, is to move to Barcelona and join, join his friend De Jong there. And he has resisted um, that invitation to go to Manchester United. And really, although a story has been going around that he could be persuaded and um, the idea is that they sell a project to him where he comes and be and, and is the leader of the team and a kind of messiah-like figure who who solves Manchester United's problems and uh, leads them back to the the promised land of Premier League titles. Um, I think he's probably a bit too savvy um, to fall for that. Um, and if you are the most desirable young centre back in world football. And you have an offer on the table from Barcelona. You have clubs like Manchester City um, keen to take you, who obviously now need a centre-back because Vincent Company has left um, to go to be player-manager at Anderlecht. Why do you choose to, to move to a club which is in defensive disarray, um, which hasn't qualified for the Champions League, and which has a, a manager in charge who is inexperienced at that level? Um, it, it would seem to be an incredibly high-risk decision for De Ligt to go to Manchester United rather than one of his other suitors. I certainly agree with you on that, Duncan. I don't think there's any chance that De Ligt will end up at Manchester United. I think we could be quite confident in uh, saying that um, Agent Mina Raiola is engaging what is now <clears throat> one of the buzz phrases in football, the Nico Gaetan Ruse, uh, i.e. drumming up in, um, interest in his client from another club. Uh, in order to force the, the move to the club that they know is interested. Um, going back to Griezmann just very briefly, I find it almost, um, you know, reckless on his part to have done this social media campaign, um, his announcement, like he did the year before, the decision, um, saying that he was leaving Atletico Madrid. If indeed he didn't already know, or in fact had terms agreed, with his next club. So everyone is speculated about Barcelona. Now, Duncan, you've given us information that you don't believe Barcelona is a realistic option for him. Now, I you know, take your word, obviously, because you're a very reliable person and um, I've known you a long time. And uh, you know, our, our listeners know that your information is always, always based on fact. That does leave the question, where is he going? So if it's not Barcelona, and Barcelona was a kind of, just an assumption by the Spanish media because of their interest in him last year as well, then surely he has a plan. And that plan must be, oh, well, I, I suspect Paris Saint-Germain perhaps, one of the only clubs who could afford him and his contract, or indeed Manchester United, because we know that at Manchester United, he has a very close friend who's equally um, interested and enthusiastic about social media campaigns in Paul Pogba. So I'm going to flip this and say, if United tries to send Griezmann, does that mean Pogba stays because he gets his mate and fellow social media campaigner on board? And it's a statement by United that actually they are going to sign world-class players 
and they do want to be, you know, winning trophies very soon. Um, now we know that United don't necessarily want to lose Pogba, but at the same time, they have that the fight that we've been um, talking about for weeks and months now about the Real Madrid's interest in him. So I just wonder if the Griezmann factor could be something which United are banking on in order to, let's face it, keep their, well, we know it's their record signing, but also one of their best players on his game. But what we know about Pogba is he's unhappy with recruitment. He's unhappy uh, with the team performance he thinks as a World Cup winner, he deserves better playing around him. And I mean, other players, obviously. And therefore, Griezmann would be a, a huge signing and a huge statement signing um, for Manchester United in terms of going forward. Um, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford on the, the, the wings of that three-prong attack. In actual fact, Griezmann could play number nine for Manchester United as a false nine, if you like, very easily. His goals to games ratio is very, very impressive. So I, I just wondered, Duncan, maybe this is a kind of, um, we've seen there's something under the radar here that, that maybe some people have missed. I, everyone assumed it was going to be Barcelona. You're telling us it's not. So, so who's it going to be? Look, it's possible. It's possible. And I, yeah, you're right. Griezmann could play in the, the Jesse Lingard role in, in that system that uh, Solskjaer used effectively uh, at the, the, the first um, part of his tenure at Manchester United um, when he caught a couple of teams by surprise. Um, so, you know, play him at the point of the diamond behind Rashford and, a, and Martial uh, or another forward. They could work that. Certainly from a social media perspective, um, from a uh, Ed Woodward, look what I've done um, transfer, you can see it ticks <laughs> that big box that that, um, that Manchester United like. It would be a statement uh, if they could make it happen. I don't know is, is the answer. I haven't heard that uh, United were doing it. I, like um, others, uh, assumed that, that the reporting that Griezmann was on his way to Barcelona was accurate. Um, what I'm reporting here is a briefing from Barcelona that I was given last night. Um, and... Uh, those briefings from Barcelona have been very solid <laughs> in, in sure. past times. So yeah. I believe when, when I'm being told that that deal is off, I, I believe that to be the case. I don't think it's a negotiating stance from their point of view. Uh, and the reasons they give for it being off make sense. Um, I think you've also got to factor in here that um, Griezmann and the people around him have obviously got a, a, a fair sense of their own self-importance. So uh, I don't think you can factor out that they might actually have just made a big error here, yeah. i.e. been in conversations with Barcelona who have encouraged them. They've then announced this and Barcelona have said, well, actually, we don't want to do this. Um, so uh, It, it will out. be a remarkable Volta Facci stroke loss of um, face in terms of Griezmann because you don't muck about with a club like Atletico Madrid um, in terms of their um, yes. power, their stature, their fans, um, a club who you know, prides itself on being, you know, if you like, the underdog stroke outsider to the, the noisy neighbours across the city. So Griezmann announcing it in such a, a, a very public and um, I think, you know, distasteful way 
uh, in terms of, you know, I, th- I think it was disrespectful to the fans of the club, to the club itself, who um, went way out of the way to award him that amazing contract that, that you um, detailed, Duncan. Um, and for him to now simply turn around and say, yeah, you know what, it didn't quite work out for me. <laughs> so I think I might go somewhere else. And then to then have to go back with his tail between his legs to pre-season training and face those Atletico ultras and say, yeah, you know what, I thought I was going to Barcelona and it didn't work out, so et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I would hope for Griezmann's sake there's a plan B or even a plan A in this case in order that um, he's not made to look a fool. However... Like you, Duncan, I am slightly dubious about it. I'm not sure that that is the case. And um, I think, you know, in the next, obviously, weeks, we will be discussing this again as things um, develop. Well, look, I can add one other element to this because you're talking about Atletico Madrid. I know that Atletico Madrid are looking for uh, replacements for Griezmann. So they are doing the work to bring in a... um, a player to take on his role in the team. And interestingly, one of the strategies um, that they're following is something similar uh, to what they did with Griezmann when they signed him uh, from another Spanish club uh, several years ago. And that is to take a uh, young, upcoming, uh, very talented forward and put him in a team and develop him. Um, So, which will be cheaper for them, obviously. Um, But they're doing the preparatory work uh, and expect to have his, his wage, his salary off their books, uh, which again um, suggests that Griezmann might have, might have made an error here um, in the way he's handled it and uh, might be putting both himself and the club in, in a difficult position over the next, uh, next couple of months. Two things to add just to draw the Griezmann conversation to a conclusion for this particular podcast. Um, one is um, I'm told that uh, Griezmann's recruitment would have very much um, depended upon Philippe Coutinho's move somewhere else, uh, both to generate the funds for his release clause and also the salary um, demands that he meets. The other one, not quite so serious, is that perhaps um Atletico's search could end with Benny the Ball, who, as listeners of a certain um, age will know, was the scaredy cat in Top Cat's crew uh, many years ago in a particular cartoon. So perhaps Benny the Ball for Atletico is the, is the new the new Griezmann. Let's just wait and see. So on that note, however surreal it was for you all, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> We're going to move on to... Um, uh, very good question, actually. Uh, very, very um, current and uh, very important as well. Um, James McGrath has, has, has added to this, but I'm going to quote the one from uh, JJ Dazzler, as at JJ Dazzler, Junaid, which is, with Max Allegri due to leave Juventus, well, we know he's leaving in this summer, will that trigger a manager merry-go-round, Duncan? And if so, which managers will be involved? Would it include Mourinho, Maurizio Sarri, Pochettino, etc. Certainly could do. Um, look, um, Juventus have talked to Didier Deschamps uh, about that role. Um, if Didier Deschamps takes the job, then the France national team job opens up. Uh, as we said in the podcast on Monday, Christophe Gaultier at uh, Lille has been sounded out by the French Federation over replacing him. Um, other candidates, well, could Mourinho go to Juventus? Um, that does, in principle, seem 
an obvious solution. Uh, George Mendes, Mourinho's agent, has good links with Juventus um, and obviously has a couple of players there already. Um, Mourinho wants a club where he can win. He knows Serie A inside out. He uh, is highly regarded in the country. His reputation is high. Um, he wants to uh, win the Champions League again. Juventus, above all else, want to win the Champions League. So you'd think, obvious solution. Problem is, Juventus and Inter, the club where Mourinho won the treble, hate each other. Uh, Mourinho was deliberately antagonistic towards Juventus as part of his strategy uh, to win back-to-back titles at Inter. Um, as recently as last season, uh, he won um, in Torino with Manchester United, uh, went onto the pitch to cup his, his, uh, his, his hand at his ear, um, directed towards the Juve supporters who'd uh, directed abuse towards him throughout the entire game because he is a hated figure there. I think he's been on, uh, in one of his many TV interviews he's given since being sacked by United, he's, he's talked about, uh, I think the quote was something like, um, I can't even walk in the streets in Torino. Uh, they hate me so much. Um, when I ask people who work closely with the club about that possibility, and it's something I've been asking about for months um, because it seemed an obvious fit, um, and there was that potential that Allegri would either step away or, as it turned out, be dismissed um, by Juventus, the answer has always been impossible. It just can't happen. It's like... Uh, taking the Manchester United manager and putting him in at Liverpool. And you can imagine the scenario if, uh, if Jurgen Klopp was to uh, do what Maurizio Pochettino is um, threatening to do at Tottenham and, uh, and step away from Liverpool after winning the Champions League. And, uh, and Family Sports Group said, we know who we want to replace him. It's that guy, Jose, and we don't even have to pay a compensation package. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it, lads? I'd love to so, see that. Personally, <laughs> honestly, I'd pay everything to see that. <laughs> it, would, it would be entertaining. You have to say that. <laughs> Whichever way it turned out, it would be entertaining to watch. But I think on that basis, Juventus is out the window for Mourinho. Um, the job he would like is Paris Saint-Germain, as we've told you on the podcast before. Um, he is very, very unlikely to get that job because Qatar... Um, one half uh, are likely to stick with Thomas Tuchel, Tom, even though he's made Tom. a lot of it. Tam, you, you call him Tam. Today I'm going to call him Thomas. No, I, that's, that's what you asked, you asked me to call him that, Duncan. Whenever I've spoken to him, he said, please call me Tam. And what's he saying? What, what's Tam saying about his future at PSG? Is he, he confident? Seemed, he seems very confident, actually. And in, in all seriousness, he seems to think that he'll be there next season. He doesn't believe that um, he's done anything wrong with regards to the way he's played. I think he's got a bit of a problem um, with uh, Mbappe, as we discussed on Monday's podcast, uh, regarding um, his demand for responsibility and and how you translate responsibility. Does that mean a new contract? Or does that mean he wants the captaincy? Or does that mean he wants to be the central player and not Neymar? Because Neymar, as we know, is a bit of a, you know, flighty character who, you know, can play well, can't play well. With Mbappe there, and there's a, a warning shot has been fired across the PSG bows about Mbappe, what he expects next season and what he expects in the summer. 
But um, I think uh, Tam uh, is, is, is relatively comfortable about his position at Paris Saint-Germain. I think as well, we've got to look at the history of sackings at PSG in recent years. And I suspect Qatar are thinking, well, you know, we've tried the sacking policy, the disruptive philosophy, which has worked arguably for Chelsea. Um, we've still not achieved Champions League success. So maybe what we need to do is hold on to a manager and decide on um, his fate, not after one season, but after two or three. Um, obviously, he has uh, an, uh, incredible reserves in terms of investment to back him. But at the same time, he's got problems in that dressing room with Neymar, with Mbappe's dissatisfaction, with the Adrian Rabo, Rabiot problem, uh, which will be resolved, obviously, this summer. So I, I suspect that the owners are now quite um, settled on saying, no, we need to keep the manager uh, rather than simply get rid, which is what has been our policy in the past. And instead, we listen to him and what he needs and wants in terms of changing the dressing room. And uh, we take it from there. That's, that's the briefing I have from Qatar, which is that they want we to... We probably spoke to the same person. <laughs> possibly, possibly. But it's, they, want, they want to stick with the same person. Um, however, however... Tuchel has made so many errors in recent weeks and the results have been so bad. Don't rule out the possibility that the Emir of Qatar, who will make the ultimate decision, decides to change. And what I can say is they, there are definitely people from Paris Saint-Germain who have been calling uh, potential candidates to find out if they'd be interested. So again, I think what you see there is there's a man who will make the ultimate decision. He has employees. Employees are looking at scenarios in which that man who's got a history of, of sacking might change his mind and they want to have their homework done beforehand. So that job is should be closed, but it's not necessarily okay. closed and could enter the, the managerial medical round. Bayern Munich, similar situation. I'm told the board is split over uh, whether they retain Kovac or not. That's a job that um, would be of interest to Mourinho um, were it to open up. Um, and then you have the question of Valverde at Barcelona, a decision to be taken after um, they finish uh, their season and the Copa del Rey final. Um, then, of course, you have to factor in Maurizio Pochettino uh, with his stated uh, dissatisfaction about Tottenham, um, his threat, if you want to describe it that way, that he might walk away from the club um, feeling that he'd done everything he could do should he win the Champions League uh, on the 1st of June. Um, but also the question mark about Pochettino in terms of um, does anyone want to spend the money it takes to hire him out of Tottenham and go through the trouble it takes to convince Daniel Levy uh, to let him go. So huge compensation package and, I'm told, uh, very high wage demands. Um, so... There's, there's a lot of moving parts in play in, in the manager, and, well, and we have Chelsea too, and Maurizio Sarri waiting on the decision from uh, Marino Granskea, Roman Abramovich, and whether he continues. I think his, uh, whether he wins Europa League will be important there, but he does not know his staff whose contracts end at, this, at the end of the season, do not know whether they are to be retained. Um, in Italy, there's a lot of reporting that he's now the lead candidate uh, for Juventus. Uh, I'm told by a contact there that, that, that to be suspicious of that. Um, he has an offer from Roma, 
Um, Roma thought he was going to be their next coach. He'd, he'd encouraged them greatly and then stepped away, giving, that, giving them a signal that he, he now felt he could uh, carry on in the Premier League. So there are jobs definitely open at a number of the top clubs and there are jobs that could well become open at a number of the top clubs. And then you have that um, juggling process of who goes where and who everyone settles on as their manager for, for the coming season to be played, played out. Well, first of all, I'd say that I, I did have a conversation with um, a contact close to Juventus um, in the last day or so and um, asked about Sarri's potential candidacy for the job being vacated by uh, Max Allegri. And the answer was, um, he's grumpy and old. And we're trying to, <laughs> no, seriously, and we're trying to bring a new, younger sort of feeling to the club. Um, I should also report a little bit of news because we have been asked about it um, regarding our report last week about Manchester United's interest in their second striker, uh, the Argentine international Paulo Dybala. And the news is that um, Juventus have decided, I think wisely, um, to wait until a new coach is uh, um, acquired and appointed uh, before discussing transfer business, especially outgoing transfers. Um, they don't want to put off a new manager by already agreeing to sell one of their star players to Manchester United um, in, in order that, of course, that might not uh, be attractive to the incoming boss. What I see in terms of uh, Mercy Pochettino, and again, you know, this is um, news as it were in terms of what's happened in the last five days. Um, Pochettino was invited to have conversations with um, Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy regarding his remarks about potentially leaving the club if they win the Champions League or even if they don't. Uh, Pochettino declined that invitation and said that instead he would like to speak after the Champions League final and focus his attention purely on that one last, obviously very, very important game for uh, Tottenham Hotspur in terms of um, how their season ends uh, in June the 1st in Madrid. Uh, I'd say that Juventus are very much interested in recruiting Pochettino. Uh, I think it's also a case that you know he would have a choice of clubs should leave Tottenham. Problem for him is that Levy is not willing to release him from the new contract he signed at the start of the season, which runs for five years. And should the possibility arise where, let's just say, the hypothetical situation is that Pochettino resigns as Tottenham manager on the basis that, as he said, I can do no more. The plan is not in place for me to take this club any further forward than I can do, etc. Then I think, and it's my opinion, that Levy would be prepared to sue Pochettino for breach of contract should he resign and then take another job with another club and therefore obviously seek compensation from said club, wherever that is, for Pochettino resigning from Tottenham. So again, doesn't make him such an attractive candidate if you're going to get in a prolonged legal battle with a club like Tottenham Hotspur. So um, I think Pochettino's got a lot on his mind right now. Um, and I, you know, empathise with him. But let's face it, who wouldn't want to be a coach in the Champions League final? So, um, <laughs> and reports that Harry Kane may well be fit. Although, again, and I would put the caveat in, it, he's not going to be 100% fit. So would you risk starting him, Duncan? Um, would I risk starting Harry Kane? He'd, one, you'd, you'd have to you'd have to know he was 
he was up to that game. Um, and then you have to think very carefully about your tactical plan for the match. Um, you know, Pochettino's tried a few systems against Liverpool. Some have worked well, some haven't. Um, Liverpool are generally pretty predictable in the way they play. Um, do you leave Lucas Moura out after what he did in the semi-final? Hard, hard thing to do. Um, it, yes, it, it's complicated, um, but that's why Maurizio Pochettino is um, in demand and uh, so well paid by Daniel Levy and um, needs to demonstrate he can get it right because let's face it, in those two semi-finals against Ajax, he got his tactics wrong um, in the first half of both games and, uh, and it was uh, basically a... a a choice to go to agricultural long ball football with the big man up front and, and the little man playing off that uh, managed to scrape them into that uh, final. Well, what's not complicated, uh, I'm glad to say, because it is regularly very complicated, is this week's Donkey Awards, uh, in which, as you know, the legendary Golden Donkey is handed out uh, to one lucky person who wins the uh, nomination um, over three people. And this uh, week, you'll be pleased to know because obviously we don't like to go a whole podcast without mentioning Manchester City, which I think we almost got away with, but not quite, um, is the Pep Guardiola Tartan Bonnet Award for gear worn by Man City players or indeed treble winners. As I'm sure you've all seen the pictures, Pep sported a very, very dashing um Man City um, official tartan flat cap at the parade around Manchester um, City Centre in Monday's open-top bus celebration of their um, unprecedented treble in domestic football. Now, the tartan bonnet, we're pleased to say, talked to us off the record uh, about this particular award. He, the tartan bonnet did not want to go on the record or indeed be broadcast. So um, we asked tartan bonnet, for the nominations, and the nominations um, are as such. And I just have to open the golden envelope, as you all know, it's very important. Here we go. There we go. There's a big, and I, I can, I'm very pleased, very pleased indeed to say that the first nomination is for Pep Guardiola himself for the grey hooded cardigan he wore in the last few weeks of the season. I think we think it gave a bit of us of. Um, an issue of superstition for him. Um, it was apparently bought for £1,200, designed by Theresa May's favourite designer, who's called Herno, H-E-R-N-O, in case you all want to go out and buy, buy one for yourself. So the grey cardigan, the hooded one, is the first nomination in the Peps Tartan Bonnet Award. The second, and this is my particular favourite, but Duncan obviously is the man who decides these things, is Vincent Company's T-shirt in said award, uh, said celebration uh, around Manchester City Centre on the Monday, in which there was a graphic of the uh, goal he scored against Leicester City in the penultimate game of the season. Um, as you'll all say, he called it top bins. Um, and indeed, I think maybe that was the place where he got the T-shirt from, was top bins. Uh, it probably cost about 15 quid, not your 1,200 quid cardigan there, people. Um, and it said on it, no, Vincent, no, don't shoot, which, of course, were the immortal words by which Sergio Aguero will be remembered by all Manchester City fans. However, we have a little bit of a rogue entry as well, and I do, do urge you to go online and look up Manchester City players 
arriving for an international Champions Cup game against Bayern Munich, where, of course, Pep Guardiola famously wore some leather lederhosen um, sort of uh, outfit, because that's traditional, obviously, during Oktoberfest. And in fact, the Man City players probably didn't do themselves any favours, really, with what was designed for them, because they're wearing D-squared, that's the brand, obviously, Manchester City black T-shirts, black dress shorts, but most hideous of all, and again, I have to urge you to go online and find these for yourselves. I'll describe it best I can. Full-length men's woolen socks and shiny shoes, which are clearly got some kind of air sole in them as well. Duncan, I hand over to you. I think it's one of our most difficult donkey awards that we've had, um, but we are going into you know the closed season and the transfer window, so I think it's only appropriate that we have a difficult decision for you rather than the, the easy ones that usually um, sort of purport so the uh, Pep Guardiola Tartan Bonnet Award goes to? Well, look, Vincent Company um, for wearing that T-shirt. Brilliant idea, whoever, whoever put the T-shirt together for him and, and great sense of humour, but that's just that's just too normal. Um, the, the Manchester City D-squared outfit is the most hideous thing I've ever seen footballers presented in, uh, arriving at a game at an airport in, and, and you just feel sorry for each and every one of them having to wear it. Um, but I think it has to go to that famous grey cardigan, which wouldn't seem out of place um, in the streets of Manchester um, uh, from someone who was very much down in the luck and stuck out in the streets of Manchester every night. But I was amazed to discover it was a designer item that cost over £1,000. But I, I wonder and I suspect it was actually chosen for Pep Guardiola by his wife because his wife is a... Um, is the daughter um, of a, a family that owned uh, fashion uh, stores in Barcelona. And uh, so the story goes, that is how Pep Guardiola met his wife, was uh, when he was modelling for that store. Hang on, um, he was modelling? He was modelling, yes. I thought he just went in to buy a cardigan in Mer. <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> unbelievable revelations. He was modelling, he came out with a wife and, and uh, <laughs> 20 years... And listen, we've all been there. Years, we've all, well, you've not, but I've been there. I've, I've been at Shulkin with a wife before. So. <laughs> and 20 years down the line, it seems that his wife chose a, a grey cardigan for him to wear uh, through the final stages of the, the, the Premier League season. I, I believe, I suspect he got quite superstitious about this cardigan and that's why it, uh, it remained in place through all those uh, consecutive victories for Manchester City. So, so the cardigan gets the Tartan Bunnett Award and, uh, and very well deserved too. You know, I thought last week we excelled ourselves with um, the Alexis Sanchez's dog's choice of worst signing of the season, but I think the Tartan Bunnett might just have eclipsed it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Please, please let us know. You know, we love to hear from you uh, on our own official account, which is Transfer Podcast. Um, you can contact us through that. You can continue the debate with Duncan and I at Duncan Castles at Garbo SJ. Um, and as you know, uh, whether it's bonnets or pets or actual proper questions that we've been talking about today, which we also appreciate, we should say, um, very much, then please get in touch. If you like what you've been hearing, and we know thousands of you do, give something back to us, please. Log on to iTunes, give us a five-star review. That will help us to go up in terms of the listings uh, on iTunes, and it also allows us to expand this wonderful community that we have created and that is also getting bigger week by week, and we're very grateful to you for that. 
Um, we will be back to fulfill your podcast needs on Friday, as usual. Um, and in the interim, uh, we just want to thank you for listening. And uh, we will be back again Friday. See you then. Hey.